The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Back to school session is in full swing, which means now I, along with so many other parents, are faced with the morning rush question, who wants hot lunch versus mom's packed lunch? And I got to tell you that there are days when I say to my kids, whoever wants hot lunch will be mommy's favorite today because it is just so crazy in the morning. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail over that, but they know it's a joke. But the more I learn about the food that we consume and the industry's influence, Uh, as a whole, it terrifies me to think about what I am putting in my kids' bodies. I'm always trying to make sure that they have fruit, that they have vegetables. And I sometimes do look at what's going on in the school lunch. And I'm like, I'm not sure that that's the best thing for them. Childhood obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and so many other conditions are at an all-time high. And my guest today believes it's because of one culprit, our food. Callie Means is the founder of True Med and currently writing his latest book on metabolic health and how we fix the issues plaguing American life. Callie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, Tudor. Thanks for highlighting this issue. You know, it's terrifying to me. And I got to tell you that um, today, as you know, I'm not in my studio. I'm actually helping my mom out today because she had her hip replaced a couple weeks ago. So I left the kids at home with my husband and he is in charge of lunch this week. So he's the guy that has to make the decision every morning as to what's going on. And the girls, they're they're funny. We were shopping on Sunday night and one of my daughters was like, I'm getting Lunchables because I don't want the stress in the morning of trying to figure it out. And I wanted to talk about this because I noticed that Lunchables just got this like big there. They potentially are going into school cafeterias. And I got to tell you that I caved on the Lunchables because I'm like, I just want to make it easier on him. And now I feel like you're going to tell me something really horrible about Lunchables. So just lay it on me. This is just day one. I can fix this by the end of the week. <laughs> I think, you know, we're getting into, I think it's it's so funny, right? That Lunchables is now being approved as, as school lunch. Uh, the CEO actually bragged in the Wall Street Journal that upwards of 15 
a billion dollars of of money from the government treasury through federally funded school lunches, which is one of the largest sources of of childhood nutrition, can go directly from again the federal treasury to lunchables. Um, and no, I don't really have a message for you, Tudor. I, I think you're you're you know obviously trying really hard. Uh, you know, it, it actually just scares me uh, that. You know, parents have to defer at some points in time to our trusted medical authorities, and the fact that our medical authorities have com- and, and our the federal government has completely caved to special interests, um, you know, and is serving uh, the, the majority of schools still have vending machines with with hugely uh, laden sugar laden drinks. That Lunchables is now considered essentially a vegetable. Uh, it, literally, that's their definition of it because they put like one little fruit or vegetable in there. Um, and as being federally subsidized, the fact that, as we've talked about before, um, the number one item on food stamps, which is a which is a program you know lower income mothers depend on for childhood nutrition, the number one item is soda. Uh, just again and again, are 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 programs that that I think it's reasonable to say if we're going to have these programs, um, you know, there there's there's competent people at the wheel. We're following the science. We're doing right by our kids. But but they're being let down again and again. And on school lunches, um, you know, I I gotta say, like, you know, early on, um, I actually think Michelle Obama was on the right track. You know, she said, you know, our kids' health um, is out of control. Uh, food is really important. Uh, but it's notable she actually caved. Uh, she actually caved uh, very quickly. Um, you know, John Kerry's family. You know, uh, Obama's chief of staff later on. Um, owns right Kraft Heinz, um, uh, and uh, and they actually lobbied the Obama administration. Uh, this was not really even reported that much, but actually, the, the, John Kerry's own family was aggressively lobbying on the Let's Move program. They said we got to get away from food, and very quickly, uh, Michelle Obama actually partnered with with Big Food and Walmart, um, and only stressed exercise um, and totally changed her message. Um, today, right, with kids going back to school, um, you know, you as a parent, I have got a young, young son. Um, you know, I, I think parents always worry about kids in every generation, but I, I think we're lying to ourselves if we don't say there's something unique happening right now with kids. You know, 48% of high schoolers uh, qualify as having a mental health disorder. Um, 25% of young adults, I mean, this is just staggering, but 25% of young adults in 2021 contemplated suicide, according to the CDC. Eighteen uh, percent of teens have fatty liver disease. Um, obviously, the obesity, overweight, nearly fifty percent of the teens qualify in that category. So, you know, from a human capital perspective, right? Just from a spiritual perspective, I think something really wrong is happening with how we're treating kids. And then these are, you know, th- these folks are going out of the economy. They're, they're the inputs of our of our country, right? The individual humans, and we're just. We're just decimating them again when we're, when we're yeah. I think as parents, we're confused though, because we, I mean, in my generation, we grew up in the generation of you, you should be fat free. You know, we went from, I remember having snack wells and all of these things that were filled with sugar and they were all fat free. So we thought that was good, but the, there was this conversation that started with parents that was like, you know, these mental health disorders about weight are so bad in young women that you should never talk about weight at all with young women. And now that translated into, you know, don't talk about health almost, because I think a lot of parents were like afraid to say to their kids, you know, you, you still have to be healthy because they were so scared by the 
big media, by by the health industry, by magazines who were saying a girl's body image is critical to her survival because if she has a bad body image, then she is going to be suicidal. But then instead, we went to the opposite extreme of saying, you know, we're going to embrace an unhealthy lifestyle and we're going to put models on the front of magazines who really are health-wise in danger. And we've seen our schools, I mean, I've even commented on the kids in school are gaining weight at a much more rapid pace than they were when we were kids. And I think as parents, we, we don't know what is, how do we, how do we buy things at the grocery store that are going to be healthy for them and focus on their health? And I know that sounds crazy because it's like, well, why wouldn't you just feed your kids fruits and vegetables and make the food at home and everything's safe and you know what you're putting in there. But you know, you're in the grocery store, you see the foods that are quick and easy and kids want those foods. And sometimes as a parent, it's just easy to do that. How do you talk to parents when you don't have this happening in the media, when we're not talking about the increase in obesity? Because quite frankly, I don't think we really know how to change this right now. And we are also at this point where what you said is true. We see massive mental health issues with kids, especially young girls. We're seeing a much higher rate of suicide. And how how do we talk about that without saying, well, it could be linked to what they're putting in your bo- their bodies because what you put in your body has a lot to do with how you feel. Let's talk bottoms up, like which you're shining a light on. And then, you know, maybe we could talk. I think there's definitely some culpability on the policy level, but but I think the bottoms up is really important. So this is uh, my message to parent and how I'm thinking about it. Um, and I, I think mindset's really important here. But it's as a parent, don't shame yourself for the fact that, you know, you you cave, as all parents do, I think, on, on the Lunchables or, you know, you have this real pushback from your kids you know, on eating that sugar, on eating that processed food, on gravitating that, that's normal. What we have in this country is a addiction crisis. And I I think we have to understand that. We've normalized, literally the the USDA recommends that a two-year-old, that 10% of their diet can be added sugar. The added sugar uh, consumption among children has gone up 100 times in 100 years. Um, literally recommended by our health authorities, by the nutritional guidelines, uh, which are totally co-opted by food companies. The scientists on the nutritional guidelines, 95% of them accept personal bribes, personal consulting payments from food and or pharma companies. So, 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 so as, a, as a parent, I'd say we've got to change our mindset. Don't, don't, be, don't be hard on yourself, but be realistic with yourself and your ch- children. The system has let them down and we've loaded our foods with highly addictive companies. You know, when we started regulating the sugar, uh, excuse me, the tobacco companies in the 1980s, people don't realize this, but uh, Philip Morris, R.J. Reynolds, they actually became the largest food companies. So in the 1990s, actually, they were the largest food companies. They started buying up Kraft and all all these other companies. Um, So literally, when tobacco companies uh, got the hammer put down on them, they literally brought their scientists to food. So when I say our food is weaponized, big sugar pays politicians a lot of money. Uh, the, the two of the biggest spenders in Washington D.C. are big food. The number one is pharma, which benefits from people being sick. So, so, so our food truly has—that's not hyperbolic—truly has been weaponized. It's, it's you know the perfect uh, addictive chemicals, sugar, seed oils, things like that. So kids really are fighting 
with an with an addiction crisis. Um, and, and I'm trying to, you know, uh, talking to a lot of parents, just, just just level with our kids. I mean, this is just an example of how the system's let them down. And I frankly think dealing with dopamine, understanding like dopamine and addiction drives, you know, so many behaviors of what we do. And this is just, I think, a really important first example. And frankly, just something kids need to learn how to deal with. They've been totally let down. Their food's addictive. So it's, so it's normal uh, what their behavior is. But, but I think truly we need to... Could some of those sugar highs and lows then also kind of mimic manic depressive? I mean, if you're high and then you're low, you your body feels out of sync all the time. If this is happening in high school, you have hormones raging through your body. You're going in at lunch and you're getting a sugary soda. By the end of the day, you're mad at your friends. You're, you feel like you've been abandoned. You know, if that high and low is going on throughout the day at that critical point in time, does that have an impact on your mental health and how you view what's actually happening during the day at school? Yeah. I mean, just going, going earlier, right. When, when we see kids just absolutely have like, like younger children just have absolute mental breakdowns when they're not given the food that they want, usually containing sugar. I have real compassion for both the parents and the kids because that kid is truly in their brain. Uh, if you do a brain scan and a doctor looked at the brain scan on, uh, on, on their uh, reward signaling, it's indistinguishable from any other drug. You know, there's different ranges, but the dopamine receptors when that kid is craving sugar, is abs- they, they, they are absolutely exhibiting the same behaviors as, as any other type of dependency of, of drugs. And, and which is why every parent sees an absolute like like there's the kids seeing red until they get that food. But no one's talking about this. I mean, my pediatrician has never said this to me. The pediatrician says, you know, make sure they're eating a healthy diet. But there's no one out there. And maybe I'm just I just sound like I'm whining now. But we kids don't come with a handbook. You know, we end up in the situation where you've got one screaming, you've got another one that is running around the house and you're like, I'm going to give them what they want because things are out of control. At what point, how do you find this information as a parent? Like I might actually be causing the issues by what I'm putting into their systems, sort of in a way, unknowingly causing this crash and and this high and this crash. So 90% of med schools don't require one nutrition class. Um, The nutrition science research has been totally co-opted by big food. Big food, um, processed food companies spend 11 times more in nutritional research, funding nutritional research than the NIH. Uh, when I started calling out this, you know, rigged uh, food compass funded by Tufts Nutrition School, which is the top nutrition school, and then I H for saying Lucky Charms was healthier than beef, I got a call from the president of that school saying, "Why are you attacking me on Fox News on with Jesse Waters and why is Joe Rogan tweeting about this?" He's like, "This is this is hurting our science." And I said, is your school funded by big food? He's like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to exist by, without food donations. But, but, those don't, but those don't impact our findings. Our, our 80% of our budget is big food. I'm like, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, 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 but the thing I'd say to parents from, from the bottom up, and then hopefully where there's some hope, uh, I think there's some outrage, but also some hope, is that humans are the only animals that are systematically obese that are seeing like epidemic rates of of diabetes, of fatty liver disease, humans and animals we've domesticated. So actually, it's very instructive to me. You look at a dog, right? And we've given our do- dogs our same habits. We we uh, feed them gross, highly processed food. We keep them indoors without limited sun, lack of movement, right? What we're doing to teenagers, basically. 
Uh, dogs have a 50% cancer rate. 50% of dogs get cancer. Uh, a wolf in the wild uh, or wild animals have a 1% cancer rate. Um, so do dogs also have over a 50% depression rate. And, 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 and you don't have a lot of chronically depressed giraffes or, or zebras in the wild, right? You, you, you actually only have you know, 70% of deaths plus in the United States are tied to preventable foodborne issues, right? Um, diabetes, uh, uh, heart disease, kidney disease, things like that. That, that, that's, those are very low rates in the wild. So actually every animal except us has the ability, the innate ability to, to know what we want to eat, to, to regulate that. And the only difference we have as humans is the experts. Um, the experts telling us that, you know, lucky charms are healthier than beef, uh, experts, uh, your pediatricians systematically, right. Not raising the alarm bell on sugar. Um, and I just say, just to tie a couple of points together, Tudor, um, you know, working for these companies in the past, uh, the, you know, uh, uh, health and eating disorders, it's a huge issue. I mean, it, it's one of the, you know, top causes of death for any mental health disorder. It's, it's, it's not something to take lightly, but the food industry absolutely systematically, and I saw it weaponizes fear about that issue to shut down debate right now. Actually, it came out that big food companies are funding millions of dollars to body inclusive TikTok influencers who are saying like, yeah. So, so, so actually there was a, there was a, a, a big millions and millions of views um, th this big campaign to say that the only food we should stigmatize is food with mold on it, that a donut's fine unless it has mold on it, that it's actually racist to stigmatize any type of food because people of color, communities of color are uh, disproportionately overweight. Um, and that video was actually done in conjunction, you can't even make this up, with the uh, LA Unified School District, which is the largest school district of, uh, in the country, and they actually shared um, a video that was funded by Nestle, you, you literally can't make this up, of people saying um, that you should not stigmatize food in that point about the donut. Um, that's how, you know, systematic this is. Nestle is literally funding these body inclusive videos, kind of weaponizing this idea about fat shaming, this idea about, you know, the, you, anything on anything I tweet on Twitter, right? There's a bunch of trolls saying, well, well, Anna, right, you're going to make people anorexic. It's like, yes, that yeah, is that's, a but see, that's exactly what I'm saying. That was what my, our generation growing up, that's what we were told. And, and it was really, I mean, that actually happened in health class. We were told as kids, like, don't ever talk about anybody's weight. And then our parents were also, this was a big push and that did come out in the media. And I think that both sides, when you look at it from a political standpoint, I think both sides right now are saying, well, you know, I don't want to get into it because I don't want, I don't want government telling me telling people what to do. And my side doesn't want government telling them what to do. And the other side doesn't want government telling them what to do. But what we don't know is that government is controlling what we do behind the scenes by not talking about it. You've kind of praised RFK Jr. for coming out and talking about this. And and I think that honestly, the refreshing truth from him talking about food dyes and all these things and food dyes actually it, food dyes is, a, is one of the things that scares me the most because we've seen kids with ticks. We've seen things that if you take away the food diet, the their behavior completely changes. And this is something that only the United States has. We do not have it in other countries. And um, 
RFK has been incredibly vocal about the differences between our food supply and European food supply and what we allow in our food. And he's gotten a lot of pushback from the at least the financial powers that be like, you know what, dude, shut up. You can't talk about this. And you say more politicians should talk about it. I think that, you know, having gone through a race myself, you get all these people that are like, don't say that you're going to make this person mad and this person mad. And you are politics is a weird place where you are controlled or you they try to control you by what you have. But the, what what the people with money say. So what do you say politicians should be saying about our food supply right now? And how can they be open and honest with the American people and fight for them on this? Yeah, I worked in politics early in my career, and it definitely seems like there's this consultant-driven kind of range of things you can talk about. And I think what President Trump and, fr- and frankly, RFK have shown is that you can bust through that. And I think there's huge lessons to learn from RFK. I mean, you look at, he's the most popular politician in the country right now among independents um, and actually among women, particularly mothers, if you take that women with kids out, it's the mo- he's by far the most popular politician of America. Because I think there is this real anxiety that people haven't fully voiced and haven't put their finger on about what's happening to the health of kids and the mental health of kids. And I think what RFK is really doing is he's really tying the systemic uh, incentives there. And, and, and just to take it to the, your point about high schoolers and whether these mental health crisis we're seeing is related to food. Obviously, mental health is multifactorial. But I think what he's explaining really well is right, we're seeing unprecedented things. And then we're kind of like throwing up our hands. We're being like, oh, it's complicated. It's this. It's like if you take any animal, right, any animal that there is and put them in a relatively sedentary environment and put them you know, with lack of sun, and feed, you know, 80% of their diet, a highly processed, basically Franken food, which is, you know, what we're feeding teenagers, you know, and you, you look at any, you know, teenager, they're, they're chugging their, their Starbucks with, with 60 grams of sugar. They're, they're, they're literally addicted to highly processed food. If you do that to any animal, they're going to literally go crazy. Um, you know, our brain, produ- you know, is is two percent of the weight of our body produces twenty five percent of the energy. It literally runs on what we're eating. I mean, these are all basic points, right? And honestly, points you know, years ago working for the food company, I say sound like hippie points, but like it's just we've almost been gaslighted to not even like realize like the one of the most important things with human capital for the functioning of our body for the functioning of our brain is like whether we're moving whether we're sleeping whether we're like feeding our body with the right fuel and that's just been like totally taken off the table uh through really like through really um bad incentives and and as as rfk's pointed out like during covid why the hell wasn't dr fauci on a microphone using that as a moment to talk about the fact that if you were metabolically healthy, if you had a stable weight, if you exercise, if you didn't eat processed food, you had essentially a 0% chance of dying of COVID. Even if you go up into the age brackets of the highly, uh, very, very old folks, um, all almost all of them had metabolic dysfunction of some kind. Uh, if you were metabolically healthy, uh, you didn't die of COVID. Um, but instead, what did we do? Uh, we pushed almost primarily, almost exclusively a pharmaceutical solution, um, did not talk about, and use this as, a, as an opportunity to really attack the root cause, not just of COVID deaths, but, but, but eight of the 10 largest killers of Americans, which are highly tied to food. So the fact that this is even like, the fact that this is even like surprising or like, like even a discussion that, 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 that the fact that we're filling our bodies with toxic crap 
um, and, and that's impacting health and mental health, I think shows how much the system's won. And I think RFK bashing through that. And again, I, I think it's analogous to Trump kind of killing the sacred cows. I think that's really resonating uh, with folks. And, and because it's resonating so strongly with independents and, and women, um, I think it's something every every politician should be taking note on. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go to something that you, you talked about healthcare, or I guess we should call it sick care. And you talked about the pharmaceutical companies. We just recently had the FDA come out and say that all of these decongestants actually don't work. We have a huge problem right now where people are very leery of the CDC. They're mm -hmm. questioning the FDA. I mean, I'm impressed that the FDA came out and said this at this time when we have a lot of people who are saying, who do we trust? But they did. They came out and they said, this stuff that's been on the market for decades and people have been taking for decades, it's really not doing anything. But what it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, I should say. What is it doing? If we're taking a drug that isn't doing what we think it's going to do, how, how could they have allowed us to put this in our system for all these years? 
Oh, I mean, I think it's much worse than that. I mean, I, I think it represents actually, you know, and 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 I I think it's great the FDA spoke about it. This one thing: seventy five percent of the funding of the FDA comes from drug companies. It, the 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 institution is designed and incentivized to grow the drug industry um, instead of an adversarial force. They're a clubby force, as we know. Trump's FDA director immediately went to be on the board of Pfizer and is one of the biggest apologists. Um, you know, for, for for the pharmaceutical industry, you have a revolving door um, entirely. Uh, the FDA panels that approve drugs, uh, they, there's not conflict of interest, and they're often paid by the drug makers they're actually approving. Um, the 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 FDA is completely in bed with pharma, and I think what you what what's represented. Thankfully, they they called out that drug, but we have totally lost our way, and even this assumption that we're making that diseases are in silos. Right? We have over ten thousand you know major drugs. Um, you know, my sister at medical school, she, you graduate, you choose one of 42 specialties, 82 subspecialties, again, thousands of drugs. So the, the siloing of disease has been a total failure. Um, you know, heart disease isn't a statin deficiency, diabetes isn't a metformin deficiency, obesity isn't an ozempic deficiency, right? But, but the average American at 50 years old is on six different drugs, um, you know, they're, they're on a cl- high cholesterol medication, a stat, metformin, all those things are the same. Like, like, and they're inevitably going to have, you know, chest, um, you know, issues, uh, chronic, you know, sinus infections, all these things. So, so, you, so the medical system gives you a drug for all, they're the same thing. They're fundamentally rooted in inflammation. They're fundamentally rooted in metabolic dysfunction. And, and, and that's the campaign. That's what our book's about. That, that, that is, is, I think what a number of leaders, what RFK, frankly, is saying is, is the true paradigm shift we need to have in health. It is a total lie that, that we have these siloed issues and, and, and that six drugs are going to help you. If, if you. if you literally, as a medical system, as a public policy question, asked, how can we make that person healthier? How can we reduce everything down, right? If that person's on Medicaid, Right, a, a diabetic person on Medicaid, you know, in their 30s, were paying millions of dollars for drugs and treatments over their lives. We could actually work with that person, which mu- with much less money to actually incentivize them to exercise, to give them better food. It actually saved the government a lot of money and actually reduced the root cause of everything. So, so that that's where I think we're, the, the fact that we even see things in silos is, I think, a huge problem. So this was not a discussion in the debate. I mean, public health was not a discussion in the latest uh, Republican debate on the president of the presidential candidates. What is your what was your thoughts on what were your thoughts on how the debate went and what would you like to see the questions be in the next debate? Because I think that that's something as we look at what we've talked about today, obesity, public health. These are real problems facing America. The outrageous cost of health insurance, the outrageous cost of these drugs, the fact that we don't talk about a healthy lifestyle, these things were not covered at the debate. How do you want to see that covered at the next debate? What kinds of questions do you want to see asked? What do you think that the candidates, how do you think the candidates will react to that? Yeah, I mean, watching the debate, uh, quite frankly, it felt like there's a you know massive fire, you know, Rome is burning and we're just talking trivia. I mean, you, you know, literally the healthcare is the largest, as we know, the largest industry in the country. It's 20% of GDP growing at two times the rate. It's going to bankrupt our country, right? We spend more on diabetes management than the def- all of defense and intelligence, and that's growing at a much faster rate. Um, it's going to bankrupt our country. 
And it's not hyperbolic to say that our precious human capital is being destroyed at a much higher rate than most other developed countries. When you look at rates of of obesity, eighty percent of adults are obese or overweight. I mean that that's that's literally our body physically telling us that something wrong is happening with our cells. So what I would like, you know, is to is to really address this unifying issue again that that RFK is tapping into. Uh, President Trump has made some very strong statements on it, but 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 we have a problem where we're where we're really actually again it's 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 not a free market we actually have a total crony capitalist takeover of pharma and food the two largest funders of dc that are making our population sick profiting those industries but going to bankrupt our country and destroy our human capital so i'd like to see questions about that and and i think particularly with the presidential debate um now, I hope and pray that these candidates can understand this issue better because there's a ton of executive action that be, can be taken day one. And just just to, just to list a couple, um, we've, I think we talked about this before, that 55% of media funding comes from pharma. This is hard to get your head around. The majority of mainstream media funding is pharma, so, which of course is why the mainstream media is a mouthpiece for the pharmaceutical industry, literally tries to destroy anyone who questions or asks um, you know why we should be injecting our kids with seventy shots, um, but 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 th- that's their lifeblood. That's their funding. It's and it's also why I think the media is completely not curious about why everyone's getting sicker, or fatter, more depressed, more infertile. So day one, the president can issue an executive order to the FDA to say no more pharma ads on TV, which actually has the benefit of taking out the main which source is of the funding case in other countries. Yeah, that, that's that's the standard in every other country in the world. And that would actually be the morally right thing to do and take away the lifeblood of mainstream media advertising. So uh, that, that would be an easy day one executive uh, order. We've talked about food stamps. Obviously, we're the only country in the world w- which uh, provides our lower income nutrition substance to sugar water. It's the number one item is soda. That could be changed day one. Um, should immediately get the crony, uh, cronies at the USDA get actual doctors who are not paid by food companies and reverse the criminal recommendation that two-year-olds should be eating 10% of their diet as added sugar. You know, when parents, you know, are, 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 are at a birthday party, right, with three-year-olds and they're all eating sugar, they're actually, those parents are actually following government recommendations to be giving their kids sugar. We need to stop that immediately. Um, RFK, this is a hot topic, but he's pointing on this. Vaccines, uh, recommended or really mandated vaccines has risen from 20 to 70, um, for a six-year-old by the time, uh, and and that's just been the past 20 years. Um, now a number of those might be good and I don't want to get into that debate and, 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 you know, they could, they could very well be great, but it is true. And RFK's pointing this out. Merck and GlaxoSmithKline, the two largest vaccine makers literally are the two largest criminal enterprises in the country, they've paid in the past five years the largest criminal penalties uh, of of any company in, in America, uh, billions of dollars for directly bribing doctors and falsifying data. So you have companies that are literally criminal enterprises, right? That are making tens of billions of dollars off. Uh, these mandated drugs with full support from the government and media who's destroying anyone who's asking a question. Um, you know, again, I think many of these might be great, but the fact that we can't ask a question about that, about shots that by their own um, by their own advertising on them are changing a child's immune system for the rest of their lives, um, that just represents, I think, how we've totally lost our way. And we really have 
a government media cooperation to prevent questioning of literal criminal enterprises who are pushing uh, drugs on us. The other thing that I just think should be done immediately and that candidates should be talking about, and this you can't even wrap your head around, but but the NIH, which really is the lifeblood of, of, of research, is R&D uh, outsourcing for pharmaceutical companies. 91% of the NIH budget is, is grants that are generally going to pharmaceutical research. And there are 8,000 NIH researchers who have conflicts of interest paid for by drug companies on the exact subject they're talking. The NIH actually has recently affirmed that they do not have a conflict of interest policy. It's voluntary and it's rife with conflicts of interest, which is which is getting you to where we are today, where everything is about a drug for something we're already sick for, sick care, instead of actually researching why we're getting sick. It's all very interesting. I mean, I think if you if you really break down what's happening today, there has been real pushback on anybody talking about what we put in food. I, I mean, I remember Mayor Bloomberg banning the big gulp. And, uh, you know, we all went, how can you possibly do that? And, and I think that's the wrong approach. You can't try to just shoot little things down and see if you can actually have an impact. I don't think that that's right. But I do think that in the midst of a world where we see a daily conversation on climate and a daily attack on big oil and increased prices on everything, including food, and that attack on big oil affects our food supply from farms and our natural food supply significantly, when we see that that is acceptable and that people can attack big industries like that, but somehow big food and big pharma are left alone and that conversation is something that we can't have and you have other countries that are saying, you know what, we're going to, for the health of our nation and the protection of our nation. And really that is truly what it is. And it's hard to have that conversation because we are, we, we love freedom. We love to be able to do whatever we want, but they have taken a stance for the health of our people. We are going to say, you can't put these kinds of toxic dyes into our food. You can't have this kind of unlimited sugar in our children's diets. And other countries have thrived much more so than the United States from a health standpoint. And it just seems like we are still at the point where somehow, I, I, I'm guessing it's money in politics and like you're talking about money in media because po politicians need the media. They're not going to go against the media. It's a kind of a broken system. And maybe it does take some more people like an RFK coming out and speaking out. And, and I do believe what you're saying about if some of these other candidates came out and started having this conversation, there would be a lot of support. And in the end, shouldn't it be the people's vote that is what you are trying to earn, not the pocketbooks of big pharma and not getting into the earnings of big sugar, not getting into the earnings of big food, that you should be trying to win over the hearts and minds of people and make it the best country we can possibly have. And, and I think that conversations like these are important so that when people hear this, they go, well, wait a minute, I'm going to start asking those questions. When we have these town halls, when we see these presidential candidates go out and say, I want to talk to the people, when they go to diners and just take whatever question it is, start asking, how do you feel about what the toxic chemicals, the toxic products that we are putting in our bodies, whether it is pharma, whether it is food, how do you feel about that? And what are you going to do to protect our youth, but to, prote to protect all ages? Because when you talk about fatty livers and liver transplants and all of these things that we're seeing that 
like we said, it used to be only older alcoholics that we were seeing these issues in. Now we're seeing these issues in kids. You were telling me about pediatric liver transplant places where people can go and actually we're really starting up these clinics. I mean, that is shocking to me. And I just appreciate having you on today because I think it's so key that we help people to think about this in a different way and say, you know, we don't have to stand for this. We don't necessarily even know what we're getting, but somebody needs to stand up and say, we want the American people to know what they're getting. And we want them to know that it's safe. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about this today. Thank you so much, Tudor. I mean, you just, that that was profound what you just said. And uh, I just say, it, this is the policy, this has to happen. It's so important to, to help our kids. I think the politics are changing. I think moms, I think parents are really waking up. These, the, the, this is really resonating, I think, among conservatives. And then to the last point, I just say, as a conservative, I used to think this was nanny state saying that we need to look into food. What's happening right now is the reverse of that. It is not conservative that crony capitalism is happening where the food companies are lobbying to rig food stamps to serve our kids sugar, and then people are called nanny state people for questioning that. It's a total perversion of, of, of the system. Our system is rigged right now. It is completely a rigged. Um, uh, and our kids are being poisoned by design and calling that out and getting to an actual free market where right right now we subsidize literally with federal subsidies, cigarettes, tobacco more than fruits and vegetables. That, that's literally true. So, so we have a rigged market. All I'm asking is that we get to a free market. We should not be taxing. We should not be banning. Coke should be legal, but it should not be subsidized with tens of billions of dollars of government money to feed to kids. That that that's the key point here, and I think conservatives need to need to fully understand that I've been wrong on in the past. Um, this is a huge conservative issue to take on the crony capitalism in food and pharma. We are subsidizing our kids' d- destruction and bad health, which pharma and healthcare industry is standing silent on because they profit from people being sick. That's fundamentally what's happening. And I think it's the conservative issue of our time to understand those incentives and call that out and get back to what I would call a free market. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like I'm feeding my kids something healthy and I'm still struggling with weight, with behavior, with all of these things. I mean, so many of my friends, like I said, they took out food diets from their child's diet and their behavior was shockingly different. And if you think that this is not a dirty cabal, it is. These lobbyists get paid to put this food in your child's school, to put this food in your child's lunchbox. This is not something that is happening by chance. You don't you don't see this on the end of shelves because it's just like, oh wow, look, that'll be easy. It's because they're being they're paying to be there. They're paying to be in front of your face and get into your child's mouth and get into your child's lunchbox. And all of these places, they are trying to get this food into your child's body because it, it's beneficial to them financially. I mean, as scary as that is, these people are paying for this because getting into your child's lunchbox and affecting your child's health is a huge industry. But, but it's not just your kid. It's you. It's your parents. When you are dealing with the sickness of your elderly parents and all of these cancers that we're facing, that is a manipulation behind the scenes of lobbyists in many cases. I mean, obviously not in all cases, but I agree with you. I mean, we could probably talk about this for hours and I'm so grateful. We'll have you back. I mean, we've had you on before. There's a lot to talk about here, just a lot of education to put parents to put out there for parents. And I would like to start breaking down how different things affect kids' behaviors because that food dye situation, we've really found that a lot of people that think that their kids are suffering with a being on the spectrum or ADD. A lot of these behaviors, if you take that food dye out of their diet, suddenly you have a totally different child. And that alone should convince you what Callie Means is saying here about we need to be involved. We need to be loud about these issues. It's really true because it, it can it can impact your child's life for the rest of their life. So thank you, Callie. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you all for listening to us go on and on about this topic. But you know it's important to me as a mom. I know it's important to you as parents, as people who are caring for elderly parents as well. Thank you for joining us on the Tudor Dixon Podcast. As always, for this episode, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time on the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Have a blessed day. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.